Welcome to Tech Talk. Bye. CDT. Welcome to CDT's Tech Talk, where we dish on tech and internet policy, while also explaining what these policies mean to our daily lives. I'm Brian Wazalowski, and it's time to talk tech. When you get a win in Congress, you need to celebrate it and dedicate a full podcast to it, and that's what we are doing this week. The Email Privacy Act passed the U.S. House of Representatives by a vote of 419 to 0. Yes, that is correct, 419 to 0. The legislation would reform the Electronic Communications Privacy Act, or ECPA, which was passed way back in 1986. Joining Tech Talk today is Chris Calabrese, who led CDT's advocacy efforts around reform and was a driving force of a broader coalition that supported this bill. Welcome, Chris. Thanks for having me, Brian. So for people that don't know what ECPA is and what the Email Privacy Act is, can you um, kind of give us your, your elevator pitch? What is this and why does it matter? Sure. I mean, ECPA is a really important statute. These are the rules that govern how government can get access to all of our electronic communications. So everything that you store online, your photos with uh, Flickr or your emails with Google or your text messages with your service provider, all of those things are held by third parties and the rules that protect them are the rules that are enshrined in law in ECBA. The problem is those rules are 30 years old. They were passed in 1986 before there was a World Wide Web and when Top Gun was the top grossing movie in the movie theaters. So you can imagine that they've actually gotten pretty out of date and they need to be revisited, they need to be updated. And so that's what that was the impetus for this reform measure. So what exactly then does the Email Privacy Act or would it reform? So right now, You can imagine back in 1986, Congress didn't have a really clear idea of exactly what they were getting into. I mean, they actually deserve a lot of credit for thinking as far in advance to pass a law in 1986 that still is relevant to our technology today. But of course, it's gotten out of date. And one of the ways that it's gotten out of date is how it treats the content of communication. So under ECPA, as it's written, the content of our communications actually are only protected by a search warrant. That's the standard for searching your home for the first 180 days that they're stored in, in by a third party. After that, the protection drops down to a subpoena, which mm. a judge never sees and is basically just a, a letter from a prosecutor. So what the Email Privacy Act does is normalize all the third party communications. And what it says is, No matter how old the content is, no matter what type of content it is, if it's private communication and it's held by a third party, the government must go and get a search warrant before it accesses it. I'm assuming we wouldn't agree, or would we agree? Well, no, I mean, I think that there's a couple of things. I mean, in the big picture, ECBA needs more reform than Mm. just the, the way content of communication is held. I mean, there's a lot of other things that we now know about communications that we weren't really thinking about in 1986, like things like metadata. So we found that the information about our communications, who we're sending things to, who we're getting stuff from, things like our location information is generated by our cell phone. 
These are all incredibly revealing pieces of information, and they're they're currently covered by ECBIT, but it's not clear they're covered at a high enough level to sort of, you know, given how sensitive they've become and how much information is being collected now. So that's kind of a big picture, and I think everybody agrees that we probably need to do a, a more thorough and, and longer look at ECBIT. In regard to this bill, there's one particular provision that CDT was unhappy to see taken out, as were many other groups, including the ACLU, um, and that's the notice provision. In the bill as written, you have the government would have to notify you after they issued a search warrant on your account. So they'd have to let you know that they, they did this search and that you can imagine the analogy to the real world, right? When law enforcement comes and knocks on your door, you know about it. You know that a search is happening. If there's a police you, officer at my door. I know about it. Yeah. That, that's exactly right. And and you, you can imagine not just for practical reasons, but for good, you know, civil liberties reasons, you'd want that, right? I mean, this is about the most invasive thing that can happen to you. The government is looking through your communications and thinking that you might have committed a crime. So you can imagine why you'd want to notify people. You know, law enforcement did absolutely and categorically did not want to do that. They categorically did not want to provide that notice. Local law enforcement said that they would, you know, that it would be too much of a burden and they were really willing to, to throw themselves bodily in front of the bill and keep it from advancing through the house. So. What we did was we what we think is work a, a fairly clever workaround, and that's what we said in the bill is law enforcement will not have to notify the individual, but the provider still can notify the individual. So, and that's permissive. So, if someone is searching my Gmail account, Google can tell me about it. And in many cases right now, providers do tell people. So sure. that notification is happening. So. It's something that we think in practice, at least, we're still getting a substantial amount of protection. And it was a compromise we, we felt like we needed to make to pass the bill. And that seems like something that would play along uh, the lines of companies and con their user trust. I mean, that ability to notify their customers when there are searches happening. Yeah. I, I mean, it's certainly something that we're seeing in a, in a lot of areas. I mean, companies are really stepping forward in, in providing notice to customers and providing more transparency about when searches are happening. So it's something really in the last five or six years we've seen a real increased res corporate responsibility in this area. Sure. So 419 to zero, I mean, that's a huge <laughs> landslide. Um, obviously, this is just the House, and the next step is the Senate for anything to go to the president's desk and that's right. the bill. I mean, that's just how bills happen, right? <laughs> that's um, how it works. So what are the odds here? What's the game plan for getting this through the Senate? Um, I mean, we're, we're optimistic. I mean, as I had one meeting earlier this week, someone said, well, 419 to nothing. You certainly got our attention. <laughs> So, I mean, and that's and that's true, right? I mean, there you, you don't find post offices to, that get named with that level of unanimity and, and support. So it, it really speaks to the fact that this is an incredibly popular issue. It's something that your average American is, is shocked by when they find out that their email doesn't have the same protection as their physical mail that they got through the U.S. mail. So that being said, the Senate is a slow process because, because of the way the Senate works and Senate rules, any senator under the Senate rules can actually make any piece of legislation take a long time to pass. So what I mean by that is if one single senator objects to a piece of legislation, they can essentially 
create draw out the process you have to spend what's called a week what's called floor time so to actual time that the u.s senate is devoted to a particular piece of legislation as long as a week's worth of floor time to pass an individual measure that's why you so often see measures in congress bundle together into bigger bills because it can take a very long time to pass them individually so there is a lot of enthusiasm for this bill we're also aware that some of the things that concerns that have been expressed from law enforcement haven't necessarily gone away they don't mm -hmm. necessarily they don't want to do this bill necessarily we've ha had continuing concerns from things like the federal civil agencies who say they don't have warrant authority and so you know they they feel that this bill might harm their investigations though we we disagree with that so we have those objections out there it's our job now to go around to all the senate offices explain to them why we think this bill should pass, especially get support from people like Chairman Grassley, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, and the Senate leadership and say, hey, this is something that needs to happen in this Congress. We need our supporters to be mobilized to be delivering that message. And we think if we do that, we will be able to find an opportunity to get this bill through. Yeah, and you said at this Congress, I mean, the shot clock is kind of on for you on this one, it would seem like. Yeah, it's an extraordinarily abbreviated legislative session this year I mean because the Congress because the political campaigns for president and the political conventions are in the middle of July Congress is actually going out very early usually they go through the first week in August they're getting out after the second week in July this year so basically once we get to the beginning of July the congressional session is over, except for a little bit of time in September and a little bit of time after the election. So, yes, we have an abbreviated time frame and we're pushing very hard. Right. Um, you mentioned this a little bit or you touched on it. The uh, civil agency carve out. Uh, that was something that I know came up in the House version as a mm -hmm. major obstacle. You seem to have overcome that. Uh, apparently it's coming up again. Can you just share a little bit more about what, you know, agencies like the SEC are asking for here? Sure. I, I mean, it's it's fairly technical, but actually also really important. Okay. So what the SEC and, and all other federal agencies are saying is we don't we can't get a search warrant because we're not law enforcement entities. We don't we can't put you in jail. We investigate and prosecute civil violations of the law. So you don't get search warrants for civil violations of the law. Um, and, and so they feel like by updating ECBA and saying you should only get a search warrant, that that's going to keep them from doing their job. We don't actually think that's the case. The law doesn't affect the SEC or any other agency's ability to go directly to the target of an investigation, for example. So if you, if the SEC has done something, you thinks you have done something wrong, they issue what's called a subpoena, which makes means you're responsible for giving them all the documents that they ask for, including searching for those documents in the cloud or in your mm -hmm. Gmail box. You're not forgiven from doing that just because they're covered by ECBA. And there's a lot of tools that a judge can do to use to punish you if you don't make that search. And so we think they've got a lot of tools to do what they need to do now. And the reason that we're, we're resisting what, you know, obviously the SEC and the IRS and lots of civil agencies have an important job to do. But the reason we think it's so important that they not have some kind of exception to this rule is because of the scope of their authority. The reality is that there are tens of thousands of civil agencies in this country. It's not just federal civil agencies. It's state civil agencies. It's the state health inspector. 
you know, the state building inspector, really a lot of agencies across the country. They also there are also a lot of civil laws. You can violate the civil law doing just about anything. If you fill out your taxes wrong, even if you haven't committed a crime, if they, the IRS thinks that you might have claimed that vacation as a business expense, that's a civil violation of the law. We can't build a, a legal framework that allows the IRS to read your email anytime they think there's even the most minor violation of the law. That would We would end up with a place where the Fourth Amendment wouldn't mean anything because it would be so easy to, to circumvent it and get access to that information. So we've pushed very hard against the civil agencies and we're, we're going to continue to hold that line. Yeah, and it also seems as though there's an underlying question here of who owns what. You know, is it the... The person, you know, the cloud provider yes. um, that owns your email, or is it you that owns that email? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we're really talking about updating our rights for the dig digital age, right? I mean, we're saying, hey, I used to be able, to, I used to store that in my file cabinet at home. Now I'm storing it in the cloud. It should have the same legal protections, and that's the underlying thrust of the whole bill. That makes sense. Uh, you also mentioned law enforcement opposition uh, to the bill. Is there what particularly are they? pinpointing as problematic well i mean we've already talked about the notice provision we think honestly that's the the piece of the bill that was most directly affected them and we think honestly that that by making that change okay. they should be willing to accept it they've also raised concerns about the way ECPA is structured the way it works right now when a, when a, there's an emergency under the law law enforcement goes to the provider, the person who holds the information, says we have an emergency, and then the provider voluntarily turns that information over to them. There are many law enforcement who say that shouldn't be, shouldn't be voluntary, instead it should be mandatory. If we say there's an emergency, that should be enough, and that should be the end of the discussion. And while that has some appeal, I mean, the reality is that when we look at the transparency reports that the providers issue, we find that in about 30% of the cases, those emergencies are actually not emergencies. Mm. And when providers push back and say, this doesn't sound like an emergency, law enforcement actually backs away and information doesn't end up being turned over. So if we change the presumption here and it's just an emergency is an emergency, we already know we'd see over-reporting. We'd see law enforcement using that as a way, as a loophole to sidestep the warrant requirements and just get information, you know, in a, faster and by claiming it was an emergency. So we, we don't want to build that loophole into the law either. All right. That makes sense. Well, it sounds like all you need to do is fight back these proposals, <laughs> get this through the Senate before they go out of session. I mean, no sweat, right? We keep busy. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> well, we are lucky to have you leading the fight. Thanks so much for joining Tech Talk, Chris. Thanks so much, Brian. Appreciate you having me. And that's it for this episode of Tech Talk. For more information about CDT's ongoing efforts to advance ECPA reform, visit cdt.org. And if you want the latest breaking news and action alerts on this issue, and even more, sign up for our e-newsletter there. I'm Brian Wasilowski. Thanks for listening.